those of you who don't know, I'm the senior pastor here at the church, and it's my delight to be here and to be able to teach, to read from God's Word here tonight. And my eyesight is not good, and I can't see that back clock. And uh, my commitment tonight is that we don't want to go beyond 8 o'clock. <laughs> Very supportive staff. And... So I think it's about quarter past, 20 past seven. I think Daniel said it's 20 past seven, something. Is that right? So at about, I mean, I'm more than, comp, comp, more than capable of waffling on for ages, but I don't want to do that tonight because tonight is a very special night and it's lovely to have uh, family members here being supportive. And let me, before I read the scriptures, let me just uh, say that congratulations to those who have been baptised. May the Lord bless you and watch over you. Yep, give them a clap. Um, I don't know if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, and I don't know if you, if you are, if you've actually been baptised, but if you haven't, then we certainly would want to give you the opportunity and certainly to learn more about that and to look at the Scriptures, because there's nothing more important than submitting to the Lord Jesus and doing exactly what He wants you to do. I remember my baptism. I got baptised twice. Well... I was brought up in a non-Christian home where my mum and dad never went to church in all of my life. <clears throat> and so when I was, uh, I don't know how old I was, I was a, a little fella, and my mum would have got me, my mum and dad would have got me baptised in the Anglican church as a baby. I would have been christened. And my dad's Catholic, my mum was Anglican, and maybe that was part of the reason why they never went anywhere. And anyway, then I became a Christian, <clears throat> 1973. And in 1973, I started going to church, and it took me three years and someone just opened the Bible with me and they just asked me a very simple question. They said, do you believe that? I said, yeah. Do you believe that? I said, yeah. Well, why don't you believe that in the middle? And the bit they were showing me was in Matthew 28, which is the Great Commission, where Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. Do you believe that? Yep. Um, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Do you believe we have to teach them to obey? Yeah, yep. Well, then what about the baptism bit in the middle? And I went, oh, okay. And I remember my baptism. We were at university. I'd met Rhonda by that stage. So now I love Jesus and I loved Rhonda. <clears throat> my life is now completely controlled by others. <laughs> Jesus, Je I meant Jesus. <clears throat> and uh, we, in our last year at university, or the equivalent of university, went and did this course. And it was on Judaism and Christianity. And we had a lecture and it was as boring as, I can remember that. But one of the highlights for us was we had decided we would get baptised. We'd been Christians about three years, three, four years. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, he wanted to video our baptism. We were in this place called Wagga, Wagga Wagga. Um, and so we got baptised in the Murray River, the muddy Murray River. And I can remember it clearly, and this guy, uh, Secular University, is videotaping it to show in future programs when he ran this course on Christianity and Judaism, he would be showing my baptism and Rhonda's baptism. Isn't that incredible, what God can do? And I can remember very clearly uh, standing on the beach and giving our testimony like these guys did here tonight, and Rhonda did the same, and that ain't easy. Public speaking is one of the greatest fears that people have. And so we always give it as an option. If you can write it out, or you can simply be asked the questions in the baptism, but it's always wonderful to hear what God has done in people's lives, isn't it? How God changes people. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what background you're from. 
God cares about you, you matter to him and he's made it possible for you to come to know him and to come into a relationship with him and he wants you to be unashamed about that. So this is a safe place in order to do that. And uh, so I I remember giving our testimony and it being baptised and then I was baptised first. If some of you know him, Pastor John Buckle. If you don't, doesn't matter, just a guy back then. Um, And so I got baptised. I'm a little bit taller than my wife and so he took me out to this spot in the river and stood about here and that looked about right and, you know, did that and got baptised and came back and then he got Rhonda. Now in his mind, I'm sure he's thinking I'm going to the same spot. And on the way, she found a sinkhole. (laughs) First baptism. Then he said, oh, this'll do. (laughs) This is all on videotape. Incredible what God does. Did you hear the stories tonight? Maricel, God turns up to a lady. Even before she knows and loves and follows Jesus, God's talking to her. He does that, doesn't he? Might be talking to you. You may have had a dream. You may have had a conviction. It might have been just a feeling. And that's God at work in you. And you need to be learning and responding to that and going with his flow. I particularly loved what Kerry said, that she'd been in many churches and something would go wrong and they weren't perfect. And now she's here at Sunnybank. (laughs) Which is by... I didn't hear that. Which is by implication... No, we're not a perfect church. But you're obviously growing and learning. We're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute, of what Jesus wants for us as followers. Sunnybank is not perfect, is it, was I? I was going to say, mate, if for nothing else, it's because you and I are here. (laughs) But we do want this to be a safe place. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what you've done. This is to be a place where Jesus wants us to be welcoming of everybody. Nobody is... Um, what's the word, excluded. Nobody is forbidden to come, except those who want to hurt others. We want it to be a safe place for everybody. So if you're a person, you come, and somebody came, for instance, extreme example, they had a softball bat and they were swinging it around, we'd ask you to stop swinging the softball bat around. And if you said, no, this is my gift, I need to exercise it, (laughs) then we'd say, well, then this is not the church for you. You go find another church and hit people there. (laughs) I mean, no, stop hitting people. What God does in people's lives is amazing. I wonder what he's doing in your life. And I hope and trust you're here tonight with a heart that's open to say, Lord, what are you saying to me? We've been doing a series on worship, and we've spoken as our third week now, and we've been talking about how do we prepare ourselves to worship last Sunday? What do we do when we actually gather together? We call it worship. And it gives the feeling that it's God-orientated, but it has two dimensions, not only vertical. We sing to God, about God. We listen to God through his word, which we're going to read in a moment, and listen to him speak through people. And, but it also has a horizontal dimension where we care for and listen to one another and pray for each other and care for each other. Do we do that well? Well, sometimes, and some people do it better than others, but that's the goal, that we're to grow in doing these things. So I want to pray and then I'm going to get you to stand and we'll do some um, movements to get some blood moving from particular parts of our abdomen to other parts and then you can be seated and we won't take long. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this wonderful night in which, again, we get to hear that you're the God who is at work in our world. You've worked in these people's lives. And Lord, 
you're working in us. And can you help us, like them, to be responsive and obedient to whatever you're requiring of us? Lord, speak to us through the reading of your words. Speak, Lord, through me. Um, And I simply pray that through this whole process, you might help us to connect with you and connect more closely with one another. We ask and pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, let's stand. Uh, wiggle, turn around, don't face the front because if I wiggle, you don't want to watch. You've got 20 seconds. Talk to one another, do whatever you want to do. Enjoy your sleep. Just enjoy your sleep. That's okay. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. You may be seated. I trust that helps you to concentrate for the next 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. We are going to want to read God's Word. In our church services, we read the Scriptures every service. This is one of the, the... We gather together for many reasons, but this is one of the central reasons we gather together to read and to hear God's word and so we're going to read to you tonight from a book called Colossians and it's uh, a bit from the middle of the letter from chapter 3 and verses 12 to 17 which is a chunk in the middle of it where the apostle Paul up until this point has been writing to the new believers in Colossae this little town in the ancient world who have become followers of Jesus but there are lots of influences around them And so particularly, as a reminder, for those of you who have been baptised tonight, there will be influences around you, trying to distract you, trying to calm you down or cool you down or to get you not to be bold and obedient to Jesus like you have been tonight. Remember what happened to Jesus when he was baptised? Something wonderful and then something else. Jesus was baptized, came out of the waters, knelt down and was praying. The heavens opened. And his heavenly father said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. That's what he would say about you. You're my beloved child. With you, I'm well pleased. And then it says, then the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to what? To be tested, tempted by the evil one. If you obey God, if you do what he wants you to do, you can expect the evil one to retaliate. You can expect him to do something. And he can do that through circumstances. He can often do that through people. And sometimes that will surprise you. So be alert, be aware uh, that there is a spiritual battle going on. So Paul writes to these Christians, Colossae, who have coming under different influences and he's wanting to encourage them that you guys have left the old way of life, you've become born again, you're new followers, you've become a new person, um, part of the new family of God, and now this is how God wants you to behave. These are, he uses the clothing analogy, a bit like baptism. You came in dry, and you go out wet, and then you put on new clothes. So Paul is saying, take off the old clothes of your old life, your old rags, your old attitudes and your old habits, and put these new clothes on that Jesus has purchased for you. It's not just about self-improvement and you doing your own thing and making yourself better because as one of them said tonight in their testimony, they couldn't do it. Emily, I think. 
There has to be a power outside yourself to transform you on the inside. And Jesus knows that and wants to do that. So this is about if you have become a follower of the Lord Jesus, he has provided this wardrobe for you, these clothes. And he wants you each day to get up and to put these clothes on, to dress yourself with these new habits, these new attitudes. And it's not easy. There's effort required, but he's with you. And he will enable and empower. Let's read what he wants us to be doing. Colossians 3, verse 12. It's therefore, because you're followers, therefore as God's chosen people, holy, set apart, and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. And forgive one another. If anyone has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And over all of these virtues, these clothes, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let you have it. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ, the gospel about Jesus, dwell among you richly as you teach and counsel, admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's a great passage. You could spend hours and hours and hours reading it and observing it. Nearly every word is significant, the way it connects together. So tonight we just want to work our way through this. And we've asked God to speak to us. And so let me encourage you to be listening to what God might want to say to you this morning. Uh, or this evening. Wherever, whatever time zone you're in. We've spoken about the church coming together, the church gathered what does the Bible teach us about the church scattered? What happens after church? Not immediately after church, though it does happen then, but when you get in your car and drive home and you're at home or you're at work or it's between Sundays, how does Jesus want us to live? How do we worship him in those contexts? Well, interestingly, the very things we do when we come together, we also do when we're scattered. We come together and read the Bible. Well, when we're scattered, we read the Bible every day. Psalm 1 says, you know, blessed is the person who meditates on God's word morning and evening, day and night. There's a blessing. Uh, so we listen and read God's word. We either hear it read or we are reading it, whether it's in a Bible or it's on the electronic devices or whatever. We do that. We pray when we're together, but we also pray individually. Psalm 5 verse 3 says that um, in the morning, Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will, you know, lift my petitions to you and wait expectantly for your reply. So we read our Bible and we pray. Yep, we do those things. But the main one tonight, and this is where this passage goes, when we come together, we also listen and fellowship and love one another. But that's and that is what we do when we are scattered. We demonstrate the life of Jesus living in us by our attitudes and our relationships with others. And as we've been learning over the last couple of weeks, that horizontal dimension, our relationships and attitudes towards other people, affects our attitude and relationship with God. One impacts the other. They are not separate and independent. 
lawyer came to Jesus one day and said, Jesus, of all of the commandments in the Old Testament, 613 of them, of all of them, which one's the most important? And Jesus answered that question, which is the most important, with two answers. He put two things together. First one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Love God. That's the most important thing. Yeah, of course. Good answer. And second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus brings them together. We're capable of separating them. You might know people. My family, much of my family, have the attitude is our role is to love other people. Our role is to care for people. Nothing to do with God but just caring for people. When I die, then because I've been a good person, kind person, good to others, then God will let me into his heaven. That's what many people think. It's what many people in my family think. And they're wrong. There are other people, not many, but the religious people. <clears throat> and they think, no, doing that stuff's not important. Helping um, those who are suffering and those in need is not important. What we need to do is love God and dedicate our lives to him and ignore the world and one day God will take us home to be with him in another world, a perfect world because we love him and God says mm -mm, that's not right either there are lots of places in the Bible where God actually picks on that attitude he says you're getting it totally wrong love God certainly and love your neighbour as yourself they go together in loving him we are to love others because they're made in his image and they matter to him just like we matter to him. What would you think if you, if you loved me, which I could understand, very easy to do, but you didn't love my wife? How close do you think you're going to get to me? Just between you and me, very close. <laughs> Not very close at all, are you? Because we're linked. Could you imagine the trouble I got into if I was having a great time with you but you ignored her? Could you imagine what her attitude would be towards me when we got home? I'd wear it. Let's reverse it. What if you loved her? Now that's easy. I do that. I understand. But what if you ignore me? Well, let me tell you something. She won't let you. We're a package deal, aren't we? Yeah. So with Jesus and his people. I just want to love Jesus. Can't stand Christians, can't stand the church. I just want to love Jesus. And Jesus says, love me, love my kids. Now I understand... It's easier to love Jesus, who is perfect and loving and kind and gracious and good and all-wise and all-powerful. That's easier than loving his children, loving me, loving us, because we're not. But that's the deal. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, that's what he calls us to do. And they're not just that, it's also to overflow unto others. And this passage is saying to us, these are the clothes that I want you to put on. Don't just read your Bible and pray. By all means, do that, and you must do that. It's essential you do that. That's like eating and drinking spiritually. It's nourishing, and it's teaching you who God is and what he wants you to do for your life, give you meaning and purpose and direction. 
but we have to watch and evaluate our relationships with one another. There's this interconnectedness, this inseparableness. I'll give you a couple of quick verses. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, you might be coming in those days, coming to the temple and bringing your offering, and you're offering your offering at the, at the altar to the priest, loving God, dealing with your relationship and your sin with God. And then Jesus says, and then in that context, you remember that someone has something against you. That often will happen. You'll come to the public gathering of God's people and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, will remind you. What about that person? If God is to hear, particularly at communion times, but not only then, any time, he will speak to you about it. Jesus says you're bringing your offering to the, the altar in the temple and you there remember somebody has something against you. What are you got to do? Leave your gift there at the altar. Go and be reconciled with that person. Can we have a chat? I either have to apologise or I've got to explain something or I've got to try and put something right. Having fixed that up, then come back, Jesus says, and finish what you were doing. See how one impacts the other? And probably in our day and age, I mean, Jesus is giving an illustration, but it's, it would be a commitment during church, the Holy Spirit convicts you, I need to see somebody about something, I've got to call somebody, I've got to write a letter, I've got to do something about this relationship. And so I'll finish this and then I will be scheduling that. It's a commitment that you will follow through and do it. Or as I think I said last Sunday, I can't remember if I... I must have said it in the morning. This is just for husbands, but it reverses. It's for us as people. 1 Peter chapter 3 is a great chapter. In the first six verses, the Apostle Peter talks to wives. And there's some fantastic stuff in there. Wives, submit to your husbands. Let's talk about that. And there's a great verse, verse 6, where it says, And Sarah called Abraham... Lord or in another translation would be and Sarah called Abraham master isn't that a great verse I get Rhonda to quote that to me often <laughs> but she has a way of saying it where I don't think it means what she thinks it means the next verse says having spent six verses on talking to the women one verse verse seven husbands Treat your wives as very precious, valuable treasures, as equal heirs with you of the great gift of life, lest your prayers are hindered. The way you treat your wife, relationship, unless your prayers are hindered. Not talking to her? God says, don't talk to me. Talk to her. Fix it up. God cares about our relationships as much as he does about our worship and loving him. Jesus puts them together. How are you doing in your relationships with others? And there are many other verses, but let me work quickly and now very quickly through this passage that we read, Colossians 3. The apostle says, and here are some checklists, and <clears throat> tell you what, think about the people that you have issues with. We all have people we have issues with. It could be somebody in the church, it could be somebody at work, it could be a relative, it could be a, fr a friend, it could be a neighbour. We all have somebody who irritates us, who upsets us, whom we're just uncomfortable with. Now this is not the cure-all. That may very well long continue. With God's help, maybe with his blessing, it'll change. 
some, we're not here to change it, but we want to talk about our attitude towards them. That's the issue. Verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen, holy and beloved people, because you're now a follower of the Lord Jesus, clothe yourselves with these new habits. And here are eight. Let me go through them. Firstly, five. Firstly, compassion. Think about that person or people, a neighbour, whatever. Someone that you struggle with and are difficult with, clothe yourself with a heart of compassion towards them. Compassion is to have sympathy for the sufferings and the needs of others, to put yourself in their shoes as best you can and to feel for them. I don't want to. No, of course you don't. That's not in our natural nature. But this is what Jesus wants us to do. This is how he wants to transform us. And if we do what he says, you'll have an experience like Emily had. Remember what Emily said? She described it as a, you know that time when you're cold and you step into a room and it goes warm and you feel this comfort come all over you? I think that's a very good description of what happens when we are obeying the Lord Jesus. When we go against what we want to do and say, Lord, because you say so, I will. There is this inner peace, this warmth, this heaven is smiling because you've made to do that. Compassion, kindness towards this person or these people, ready to listen and respond and prepared to do what is good for them. They don't deserve it. They deserve the opposite. You're praying for God to judge them. But Jesus says, I want you to be kind towards them. Humility. It's recognizing that, gee, you're made in the image of God. You matter to God. You have never looked into the eyes of any human being who does not matter to God. Think about that. You have never looked into the eyes of any human being who does not matter to God. Think about the worst person in the world, if there is such a thing. Think about the worst criminal, the worst behavior. They matter to God. And you're a follower of the Lord Jesus and represent him. Humility. Recognizing others have this value, that they matter to God. So therefore not being arrogant or aloof or looking down at them. Humility. That's three. Number four, gentleness. In dealing with these difficult people, being gentle. Not harsh, not nasty, gentle. And then patience with them, tolerant, putting up with, giving them patience. How are you doing? This is a great checklist, you know, at the end of every day to go through and just simply pray, Lord, today, is there anything I have to confess to you? Have I been compassionate? To the people I've met today. Oh, the Spirit will bring to your mind. Have I been kind? Have I been humble? Have I been gentle? Have I been patient? Is there anything I need to confess? I haven't finished yet. And Jesus says, I also want you to bear with each other. Now, in the context, this is in a church community. Bear with each other. Churches aren't perfect. We all have faults. We're all tainted by sin. Bear with each other. That covers present 
offences and forgive one another. That's dealing with past offences. Don't go around keeping a, a mental record of the things that people have said or done against you and then you can rehearse it at some time in the future. Uh -uh. Jesus says, don't just bear with, but forgive. Wipe the slate clean. Rub it out. If it's a sin, another passage, well then there's a process to deal with in that. But where this is just personal grievances and annoyances, then to compassionately, kindly, gently, patiently, to love them, to bear with. Forgive one another just as the Lord forgave you. If we've got the verse, Luke 24 verse 47, if that flashes up. This is the Lord Jesus. This is his example. This is what he does. What's the time? I can't. Oh, thanks. Oh, look at the size of the clock they put up the back. Thank you. <laughs> I need to hurry. I wouldn't really go on too long. Luke 24, verse 47. The Lord Jesus says that repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. And Jesus says, start here. Start in Jerusalem. This is after the resurrection. Start the very place where they hurt me. It's almost like Jesus says, go find the guy who stuck the crown of thorns on my head. And tell him that I love him. And tell him that he can have a crown in my kingdom, but one without thorns. Have that attitude towards people. You can't do it in your own strength. Jesus has to be in your life, and he has to be controlling your life and filling you. Go find the person who spat in my face, it's like Jesus says. And tell him that I've forgiven him, and that I died on the cross for him. Go find the person who stabbed me with a spear, and tell him that there's another way to get close to my heart forgive one another as the lord has forgiven us what jesus did for us do that for them and the world will change by this all people will know that i sent you by your love for one another it's the story of the good samaritan Guy had gone up to Jerusalem, been to temple, had left, was going down towards Jericho, met some robbers, got belted and bashed up, robbed, left wounded and bruised by the side of the road, and a priest came along, a Baptist pastor came along. Whether he'd been to church or was on his way to church, I'm not quite sure which direction he was going, but he passed by on the other side saying, I've got to get to church because I've got to worship God. And then came along a Baptist deacon. We'll pick on the leaders, that'll do. A Levite, Jesus says. I can't be distracted and help out. I need to get to the temple. I need to worship God. Or I've been to the temple. I need to get home. I need to read my Bible and pray. Then along comes a Samaritan. The person whom the Jews don't like and whom the Samaritans don't like. That's that person in your life, that person, the one that irritates you. And the Samaritan goes to this person whom he doesn't know and probably doesn't like and the Jew certainly doesn't like him and he binds up his wounds and lifts him up and puts him on a donkey and takes him to the local well hotel or someplace and a house and he, and he pays for it look after this guy and I'll come back and Jesus says go and do that treat people like that that's the calling that's what Jesus calls us to do to forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven us and over all these things put on love. That's the overcoat. That binds everything together. 
passage goes on to talk about the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts, the message of Christ, the gospel, um, being richly influencing our lives, and it talks about whatever you do, whatever you say to those people, to one another. Do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do it at his followers, his representative. Do it with his approval. That's the calling. That's what Jesus wants of us. And it's not just about making the world a better place. It's about bringing pleasure to the heart of our Heavenly Father. This is what he wants us to do. 2 Corinthians 5.15 And Jesus died for all that those who live, that's us, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Check yourself against those things. How are you doing? Is there something you have to confess, something to put right? Do you need to chat with somebody? Do you need to make an appointment after this tonight? Do you need to make a phone call? Can we have a chat? Is there an apology you need to give? Is there something you've got to explain? What does Jesus want to do in your life? Let me finish with this. Romans 14, verses 7 to 9. None of us, if we follow Jesus, if we confess he is our Lord and Saviour, if we've declared in the waters of baptism, we've put off the old and we've come out the other side, we're now to live a new life. None of us lives to ourselves alone and none of us dies to ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die... We belong to him. For this very reason, Jesus died and returned to life so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. So where does this find you tonight? I hope you've heard you matter to God. God loves you far more than you could even imagine. He wants you to experience it, feel it and to know it. Jesus Christ died on the cross in order to make it possible for you to come back into a personal, intimate relationship with God. God doesn't want you living life on your own, being frustrated by the hurts of this world. He wants to walk with you and you walk with him through the highs, through the valleys, through life. And he wants to direct you. He made you. He made you the way you are. He gave you shape. He gave you gifts. He gave you purpose. And he wants us as followers of the Lord Jesus. Go tell everybody this message. Go tell everybody that they are incredibly loved and that they are forgiven. But they have to respond. And in responding, they submit. And like our candidates tonight, and they'll be obedient. They will do what he says they will do. Not perfectly, but to the best of their ability, day by day, and as the days go by and as the years go by, you get stronger, not perfect, stronger. And there's always something to work on. But you and Jesus will work that out together. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for loving us, for sending Jesus, that by his life, death, resurrection, our lives can be fixed, forgiven empowered lord may all of us tonight have an open heart open minds to be receptive to the work of your spirit in each of us and lord jesus as you've 
spoken to us tonight through this portion, this passage of your word. Can you search us? Can you help us to be, do business with you? To examine our relationships because we've been reminded this is very important to you. Help us to love you with all that we have. And Lord, help us to love others as you want us to. We can't do it ourselves, but you can do it through us. And we ask you to do so. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.